what have you. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And today, guys, today we are sitting in a rainy parking lot with a pile of snow on the hood. And I feel like I need to say at the front end that I have a some form of a cold, which means that I could quite effectively sing bass right now if I needed to. I think we'll be easier to tell you know apart. That, that Johnny Cash song? It's just mama sang bass. <laughs> Instead of daddy sang bass, mama sang tenor. <laughs> I definitely... Daddy sang bass, mama sang tenor. It's not um, quite as hilarious as it was yesterday, but yesterday Ben was dying in the morning. He was like, I feel like you're like my wife, Teresa, that I met at the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> that, that laugh, Becca, that did kind of yeah, sound like no, Teresa. Yeah, and not that it's anything about people named Teresa. It's just that mm. I think that he knew a Teresa who was a bowler back in the oh, day. Oh, did he? I sounded a lot like her. <laughs> um, but anyway, so there's that. But yeah, it's... it was blizzarding this morning and I was feeling bad for the people who are new to Moscow because I was like here's the thing they're gonna think that we're doing a blizzard but any of us know who've Mm-mm. been here long yeah. enough this is rain that is trying to be fancy for a minute yeah it's yeah. just sloppy and it was like it's already running down the road in like little you know streams it's not it's it not gonna sticking. be here long it was sticking no. but you could Last tell night- and we went to go somewhere, and I was like, wait a second, like, this is not what I thought it was doing outside in the dark. Because it was, it was far more like we're in the middle of a normal winter snow. Sure. But today it just looks like, yeah. Well, no- and I wasn't taking it seriously at all. So then when I was driving up your hill, I realized a little ways up that I had not put it in four-wheel drive as I was slipping and thinking I was Because you're just pretending. You're like, this isn't yeah. snow, it's fancy rain. I had to put it in four-wheel drive, <laughs> and so... Yeah, I well. was feeling like it would be very shameful if I got the car stuck <laughs> in this. And oh, I almost would did. Be. I it almost did be because so shameful. I wasn't in four-wheel drive and I was not driving fast. Like, I wasn't going to get a run yeah. on it. I was just kind of like putzing up the hill and then started slipping and sliding into the ditch. It was not mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. It was not good. <laughs> but, so, I think that A, the windshield wipers are still on. Oh, but I'll turn them off. Me. Yeah, there we go. Okay. I think we have a lot of things to say, but I think we should just preface it with, I don't think any of them are whether or not Allie Beth Stuckey has or hasn't said whatever it may be. Like, but there is enough of a... (laughs) Actually, I think it's just a tempest in a teapot right now that I feel like what we should do is talk about not the tempest in the teapot, but about the actual subject that the tempest is over. Well, part of the reason, at least this is why I have been thinking about it, why it's been on my mind. So I feel like for anyone who is not familiar with the whole thing, it's just what basically happened is Allie Beth made a comment about a potential danger of trad wifey sorts of sure. content. And then it seemed like everyone just lost their mind. Now, but the no, thing, the, yeah. this is the thing that I think is interesting. I'm not even following it close enough to understand who's taking what side or what's happening. But Becca and I are long established uh, among our own podcast listeners of being people who are all in favor of domestic arts revival kinds of time. So we are a million percent. And what I think happened is that the fact that it was such a hot topic is more the thing we're interested yes. in. That it's the fact that apparently 
there's a lot of closely held ideas or beliefs that are, um, well, so I like that I intro it by tender. Saying, what we're going to not do is talk about the Alibus thing, but I do think there's just a couple things to get out of the way really quick because I am not on Twitter. I think you have, you're on Twitter a little bit. Well, on, um, on in a technical way, mostly I am not only. because that is just, I, I have enough chaos in my mm-hmm. life without inviting that. I feel like it. Twitter is asking you to so, keep up with a snippy snap <laughs> discussion being had by flashcards randomly thrown out into the wind. Yeah. Like, so, I don't understand it. So basically, what I'm saying is, if I know about something on Twitter, it's only because somebody sent me a screenshot sure, or somebody with told you. me and read me something or whatever. But lots of people then have it post across to Facebook or whatever. So you see the ripples or somebody sends you a screenshot. But one of the things that I felt like we ought to maybe just set the record straight really quick at the front end about is that it appears that somewhere in the world people were uh, accusing dad of of setting us forth <laughs> to speak on certain things. And I just would like to say that dad also has enough trouble in the world without I was trying to I actually what we're saying uh, here. <laughs> when it, when I actually saw I saw that and I don't know why but it was really tickling me because I was like, man, to my the idea of trying to stop by and trying to get dad caught up oh, with hilarious. what even are we talking hilarious. about at all i just so like if he this is the part that's funny i feel very outdated when i see the kinds of squabbles that are being perpetrated on the internet mm. i feel like what are these crazy kids doing these days because sure. i am old enough to feel discombobulated by some things <laughs> well i told you i see videos sometimes and i'm like is this as yeah. weird as I think this I is, know. are people, do people take this yeah. seriously? Are they like, I can't tell anymore if someone is being ironic or sincere. No, it's no, like, I'm either. lost. I mentioned sometime a while ago when chatting with dad for something. I, now I can't even remember what it was for. Maybe it was for a webinar or something. I would did a pod, a video at Canon. Dad had never heard tell that anyone was taking a selfie of themselves crying. Yeah. But, and it took him aback. <laughs> Such that he had to concentrate on what are we to why who would do that why and he's not at all keeping an ear to the ground about what's happening in Reformed Baptist church conferences in other like it would really have to rise to a significant level for him to care enough to go look at the background. All I'm saying is that, to my knowledge, Dad doesn't ever. I, I, do you think he's ever listened to one of our podcasts? Much less told Actually, us what, I doubt it. what to talk he, it's, about. It's possible he has some time, but I would be shocked. Like maybe, I, maybe if mom listened to it while they were driving in the car on a road trip. I don't what know. What dad has done is listen to our podcast by knowing by, us. He knows he us. He knows us, and we've podcasted also, live around we, his dinner table. We go over sometimes of an evening and we rant and rave and tell him about the various debacles and he listens patiently but never once in my whole career has he ever said make sure that all- <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to even think of he's not he's actually yeah. like one of the most low-key people in the world no, and the most live and let libby about stuff he's not is. yeah so just just know that we were not given our outline or our show notes by dad. He's also strange right now. This is, this is I'm not trying to be too much of a sidetrack here, but he's really 
patient. So, so patient. if something comes up that he's like, huh, that maybe is a weird issue, he would think about it, pray about it, probably bring it up in a call to worship or an exhortation, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. to the women in our church. Like, that is the way it would get dealt with, is from the... From the yeah. pulpit, not and from just, social media side blasts. A difference <laughs> between a man who I think dad is quite clearly on the record as this, is a guy who's not afraid of a fight, who is willing to be on the record about stuff, who has no problem being contramundum when he knows he's right. But there is a very big difference between that kind of a man and the squabbly, cantankerous sorts that actually, if you read the elder qualifications, that's one of the things you're not allowed to be, is quarrelsome and a striker. And there's people who are the most squabble-tastic online, (laughs) and that is just like they do love to find a little something to denounce. And to denounce pontificate about one of the things that uh, that I think about. is real. Oh my word! It's so these things are very. You're speaking the truth. That Dad does not like a quarrel, and I've never and been actually a no in my whole I. life. Also, it should be brought up that he does not. Um, he is a man who learned to drink coffee. While disliking coffee strongly, mm-hmm. because he felt like it was rude how often people were trying to offer him coffee <laughs> and he didn't want it. And that was way back in the day. But, like, if they, you know, being a pastor, if you're, like, sure. asked to come to someone's house for something and you show up in the evening for to counsel them or something, they're always trying to offer you coffee. Yeah. And he was like, it's inappropriate of me to not be able to just drink a cup of but because he disliked it so much he also just drinks it black he likes it now he enjoys it now but he just drinks it black with nothing in it because of being less bother less bother you just receive a cup of black coffee and you pour it down your throat no matter what and patient no but also he could come to your house to eat if you invited him to dinner and he could come it could be his least favorite food on the planet and you would never know he would eat straight through it Absolutely. without a flinch he's just just surprisingly not so i mean surprised you know i don't think it's surprising but i mean he's not self-oriented but, but we're also, getting swept up no, in funny anecdotes. Yeah. when we get together as a family you know who is the least talkative Dad. A dad. A million percent. There, and he patiently listens to all of us. When growing. we were younger, he told us to raise our hands at the table. Because <laughs> we were all had too and much like, to Stop say. It. Stop too it. much to say. But we always have many things to say to dad. But he does not call us together to tell us <laughs> what we need to say. So, anyway, uh, that's just a little random tidbit from the family dynamic. The but, family dynamic is not what some people <laughs> seem to presume it is. Yeah, yeah. but I just... Somebody had sent a screenshot, I think, of Dad replying, no, in fact, I did not tell my girls what they had to say. Um, so, <laughs> Well, I see that every once in a while, when people, like, yeah, think that, that we're out on the attack do dogs. Yeah, but I have something, this is just now on the actual All right, subject. moving on, moving on. I just have some stuff that I need to get off my chest here. Um, <clears throat> Actually, I want to say something. Before you do, Becca, which is that this is exactly why it's an interesting topic. 
because it's actually so close to the heart of what we're all yes. trying to do and we care about yes. that the fact that it got brought up like this is making a lot of women think about it all the time because they're like, this is actually my calling. This is my job. Yeah. It. I care very deeply about this. And the deep kind of imaginative vision for what you're trying to do is really important. And and consequently, yeah. here we are. We haven't really been part of the squabble about it. But we're also, even, even the squabble has been enough to stir up our own thoughts about it. Yeah, so I just, I just feel like I'm old now. I don't quite have gray hair, but I definitely have a couple. And that, that is enough. For me to say, I'm old. I'm a grandmother, for heaven's sakes. And I feel like this most recent trad wife thing, the sort of Instagram version of the trad wife thing, I'm like, see, I've been around this merry-go-round before because I was here in the 90s. And I was here in the 90s, which is the very same thing that everyone is now deconstructing from. And this is yeah. like... This is so hilariously the reheated leftovers of that same exact thing, but with a couple variations. So I feel mm-hmm. like there's very many, very many parallels to the 90s thing. Um, to which Fill which, out what you mean by the 90s thing. So I can in one second. Okay. But I think what I'm saying is that, like, there are many parallels. There are a couple of little distinctives, but it's not enough. It's kind of like if you reheated the leftovers from yesterday, but you threw some Parmesan on top. It's like, it feels like that to me, where it's like, okay, this is the same. We've done this. We've sure. been here before. And back in the 90s, we were opposed to the problems then, too. These are like the same issues. Mm-hmm. So, and it was funny because we had a lot in common with some of those people in some ways, but because we had so much in common, it was really important to, uh, notice the places where it was extremely lacking in substance or faithfulness or whatever. So the nineties, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the, the that, sort of first run at homeschooling, like the moment when it was you the might, conservative families kind of on the, the 80s, cover of homeschooling well, magazines in together. the eighties, you like, could actually go to jail for homeschooling in Idaho. And remember that one family did in like when I was a kid in the eighties, by the time we hit the nineties, it was like, yeah, it was starting to be a thing. And there were homeschool magazines and there were, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was one in particular, I can't remember the name of it. It's right around when the pleasant company was getting started. Okay. (laughs) Making historic dolls. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't put it on the timeline with no, that. No, that's what I'm laughing you know, about as I'm picturing when I was, I was trying to conjure up the moment, what magazines, you know, like what were we see? I was trying sure. to get my head in there and I'm like, but ah, historic doing, dolls. They were doing before like vision forum, but vision forum blew up, but bef- would have been in, yeah. yeah, maybe in that era. There were homeschool conferences. There was this one magazine and I remember seeing it. It was a big thing for a while until the lady who ran it like the mother of 13 like ran away with another man or something like it was just like but i was looking at that magazine once at somebody's house we were not in idaho we were we were in another part of the country and and they had a stack of these and i was looking through it just being just dumbstruck by the things in there because i was a senior in high school at the time and there were it was all about you have to make your own bread you have to grind your own wheat for the bread you need to make your own soap 
and it had the the actual pattern in it for the godly jumper that you would sew and it was a it was like on graph paper on the page so that you could enlarge it, was it, it. called it godly was the godly jumper and it was you could enlarge it yourself and then you could cut around the edges and then you could sew yourself the godly jumper and it was like make your own soap grind your own wheat homeschool your kids wear the godly jumper and if you do all of these things we will recover a sense of you know it's funny but whatever. not and so basically even back then, the people who were getting into this, they were the ones that started saying, you don't need to give your girls an education because they're just going to mm-hmm. be a wife and a mom. Now, yeah. I was the weird guinea pig who happened to, like, I was the kindergartner when dad started Logos with a couple others, like, but I was a kindergartner then, so I was the guinea pig. But when dad started NSA, I was also the, you know, in that freshman class. I was a grown up pig. Yeah. She was. <laughs> <laughs> she was just the little one. But the the subject of should women be educated was yeah, was, was not just hypothetical to yeah. me because it was an active discussion about whether or not it's wasted on a girl. And people were were absolutely saying women need to stay in the home, you need to have a ton of children, you need to grind your own wheat, you need to do all these things. And you do a whole lot of things for which apparently an education will not be any, that will not factor. What you don't need is a brain. But anyway, so all I'm saying is. To be fair. Back in the 90s. They didn't mean you don't need a brain, but they just mean you don't need to cultivate your intellect. But I remember um, back then, dad wrote the book, Her Hand in Marriage. At the same time that Josh Harris's book came yeah, out just about dating goodbye. just dating goodbye, and even, even back then, then uh-huh. we were like, "What we're doing is not that right." And it was important enough to us that, like, it was actually quite funny because when Ben went and talked to Dad about me, um, Dad uh, turned around and clicked print. Off of his desktop, printed out the manuscript of her hand in marriage and handed it to Ben and was like, here you go, you know, like you can read through that and we'll talk about it, whatever. So it was like, it was right at that time, but it was also Josh Harris's book had come out and the same people who were all into this super home-centered life and who were getting incredibly, uh, seizing on the superficial things, um... They also grabbed onto courtship really hard. And so I remember the courtship thing was this big deal. And because they were seizing on it weirdly, mm-hmm. despite the fact that dad wrote a book on courtship, we called it dating because yeah. we didn't want it to be, um, when I say we, I mean like dad, when all dad of us. we kept it a referring to Ben and me, but that would was... say, yes, they're dating, not they're courting. And it was like, we're on the record about the principles of this, but there's something else that's growing parallel right now, and it is not healthy, and it's weird. Yeah. And I think that we can see by the fruit. Well, I remember Dad saying the only difference, the difference between dating versus courtship, is that in dating you have two idiots, and in courtship you can have Sure, six. but that's a much bigger discussion, but what I'm saying is... No, I'm I, saying, though, that... I just that, that even, even when Dad was talking about that, and that was the principle that he was talking about, he was never thinking this is the magic bullet 
that will that right. will be the thing right. that will keep you from needing now, to just keep going. I'm Rachel's gonna getting him. Ezra out real quick because he's you know starting to make himself heard. I do it. But I think what I'm saying, Rachel, is that even back then we were aware enough of people who seemed to be on the same page, and yet there were there were concerning things about it even then. Oh, yeah. Which Somebody, I think all we have to do is look at Josh Harris now to say, like, were we right or were we right about <laughs> one being of the, concerned? One of the things... But I just... All I'm saying is that the sort of, like, the need to understand the weeds that are growing right in your own camp is something that we've been doing since the 90s. Like, this is not us randomly deciding to be against oh, no, because... the trad wife thing. Like, we have always been... Like, since the last time this came around, we have been wanting to make sure that it's the substance that we are defending and not the weird well, principles, copycat. principles and not methods yeah. and not and the details that, of... Um, I think that this current, the, this current like, resurgence of the same thing, it just reminds me exactly of the 90s again. It's yeah. maybe not the godly jumper, it's the godly prairie dress or whatever, but at the same time, um, it seems to have... This version seems to has, have less emphasis on courtship and more emphasis on weightlifting for some reason. But it's I, very much... I actually think that there's also a, there's a thing that's weirder this time in a big way, which is that when it happened in the 90s, it was pretty... Fringe? Uh, yes, but Small also counter countercultural in a big way. Whereas right now... There's there's all parts of this that could be purchased at Target. Oh, easy, yeah. Which is odd, you yeah. know. Like that's a little different that it's like a mainstreamy yeah. in that way. But but one of the things that I think is important that um, I mean, it's just important to say that we're not taking a like you always whatever you're doing, you need to be like evaluating. What is animating this? What is making me right. do this? And one of the things, I have some personal personal narratives about this. One, though, when we were back in the 90s, mom got a letter because she wrote a column in Credenda Agenda, which was a magazine at that time that we published. Um, but she got a letter from a woman that was like a long list of all the things she did. I sew yeah. my own clothes. I mop my floors on my hands and knees. I grind my own wheat to make my bread. I do. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of the things. What's interesting is it was someone's idea of what they thought yes. mom was into because yes. mom at the time was teaching, I think, full-time yeah. at Logos and was not grinding wheat to make her bread or doing, you know, like she was not, and she never had written anything saying you must do that right. or something. Right. Um, but it was kind of like, I do everything. You know, I'm homeschooling my kids. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And it was like, and I'm still miserable, was basically. Yeah. And mom's response just puts it all in the nutshell, which yeah. was, but do you know Jesus? Like, what are you doing? Like, what is this letter of all of these obligations that yeah. I have done? Now, I want to say this is a very formative thing uh, in my own life, which when I was morning sick with Shadrach. So okay. how long ago was that? 11 years ago, 12, probably when you okay. go back to, sure. I spoke at a conference, um, 
that I committed to speak at before I knew I was going to be at the Pits of Despair town right before that. Right. And we went as a whole family because it was nearby. Whatever. Um, but it was a big homeschool conference. And that room, this was really formative in my own life because this was before or... I'm like trying to remember. I can't think of the exact timing. It may have been before I was even on Instagram. Like I probably, sure. you know, like yeah. social media was not really a big yeah. thing. And I mean, it, it was getting to be a big thing, sure. but it was, a, but it was not something that was like, it was not something that I already had a thought out approach to how I was sure. going to do anything on Instagram, yeah. which is why this was so for- formative for me. Uh, but I had written loving the little years and I had written I don't remember. I don't think I had written Fit to Burst yet. So, having written Loving the Little Years, I was speaking at this conference. And they and because, if you think of the title of that, Loving the Little Years, Motherhood in the Trenches. Uh, and there I was in the conference room at a so big homeschool convention. And you've never seen, in so many ways, a really, really fragile audience. Like, that room was packed full of pregnant women and nursing infants and toddlers. It was like there were people on the floor right in front of the podium sitting with, like, their kids playing. It was like a packed little room massively fruitful, like massively abundant. Like it made me think of that, uh, terrible as an army with banners, like what a cool, like a live room, but they were so needy. It was the hungriest for encouragement, most desperate for solutions and answers. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a group of women, and I remember talking about it at the time because it really unsettled me. Because I was talking about principles, things that I believe in a million percent. And I said, as a joke, it was intended for comic relief mm-hmm. at some point. I was talking about the difference between principles and methods or something. And I was like, if someone tells you that there is, you know, like God's best taco seasoning bulk recipe yeah and you have to do this you have to make this taco seasoning and it was so weird because it was clear that no one in the room was feeling like that was would be funny or odd if we were hitting the taco seasoning rules because it's an ugly jumper yeah and i told luke afterwards i was like i have never felt so much like if i just started making stuff up like making it up and i was like writing up there on the front listen to me this is the green smoothie you need to make and make it at 5 a.m and drink it and at 7 15 i was like i felt like i knew people would be frantically taking notes they were so desperate yeah and i was like they'd be frantically taking notes and tomorrow feeling guilty that they hadn't done it and i was like it was the most I felt very helpless in that room because as much as I gave them the encouragement that I was hoping to give them, like, I, like, these are truths. This is what I believe. I, it was such a needy 
audience and an audience that felt to me like it had no ballast. And later on, fast forward. So this was a big formative part in me, not, um, like what things I don't share. One of the things that I like, I'm happy to talk about domestic things in the abs, like I, not in the abstract. I don't even mind talking about specifics. I just am very, try to be very careful to never start setting up. Like, let me show you how you have to do things. Like this is the method just because it's the method that I use. I never want it to feel to anyone. Like I'm saying, this is the method Christian women must use. This is the cleaning chore chart Christian women have to use. Did you? No, he really looked like he was coming straight. He did. Straight to I think he was surprised also when he looked up and saw that he was doing that. (laughs) So anyways, don't want to do the method. I never wanted to be like, let me get into too much method. Like you have to do this. But in this, sorry, I have to fast forward to the solution to this. This is in part why I was so stoked and still am about the Bible reading challenge. Because it was many years later, but it was the first time that I felt totally free from that kind of concern while talking to people. Sure. Because I realized, and I use this as a metaphor, that there is stuff under the table. At a big feast, there's enough crumbs under the table that you might be able to live down there getting your crumbs. Okay. The temptation in that particular conference that I was at, it just, it just was really an atmosphere in the room. Yeah. I am not accusing every woman in there of being a legalist waiting to pop or sure. whatever. But I'm just sure. saying it was a, it was an atmosphere of desperation that was unsettling. Yeah. And the thing that I was thinking about is that like the temptation when you're faced with that kind of hunger is for you to try to fill it yeah. for to be like, Oh, well, I should be crumbling biscuits under the table if there's so many people crawling around under here yeah. trying to get nourishment. And so the thing that was hugely relieving for, it was like a thread in my own life that God resolved in the Bible reading challenge was the fact that I'm not doing that. I'm not supposed to do it. I don't want to do it. My job and hopefully every other believer's job is to say, come out from under there and sit in a chair and eat with us. Sure. Don't, yeah. don't act like the desperate, hungry dogs yeah. under the table. And I, I think that, of course, there are like cultural things that are so unhealthy and so ugly and women have abandoned their posts for so long that we don't even know what we're missing anymore. And this attempt to, like, you know what? What if women were to go home? And what if they were to actually try to, like, be pretty? And, and what if they were to actually try and make good food? And that's fantastic. That's yeah. wonderful. I'm that not actually. Great. But the one problem is you will always have the little shysters who will come along and who will take advantage of the moment to give you the godly jumper or the godly wheat, you know, grinding recipe or whatever it may be. And I think that, um, that is just one of those funny moments where you have to step back just a little bit. If somebody is insisting on, you know, sourdough, because that was one of the things that became the point of contention is whether or not sourdough. Uh, Yeah. 
you just have to like step back for a second and think, was it possible to be a godly wife, honoring the Lord, obedient and embodying that? If you were like, say, in the 14th century and you were, you were the like um, woman of the castle with the feudal people living under you. Is it possible to be a godly wife there? Would you have to be making your own sourdough in that moment? Or, like, could you be a godly wife whose husband is a diplomat in Vienna and you are running... These are both seeming kind of high. I think, is it possible to be a godly wife while roasting any rodent on a spit for dinner? (laughs) No, but here's what I'm trying to say. Is it like... Apparently, the only imagination we have is rural mid-century America. Okay, but we got really—I got really tickled up by myself. Sorry to admit it, but I did. In the comments on Facebook, someone was like saying something about the 1950s or trying to have a resurgence of Little House on the Prairie, and they're like, which was a terrible time of drunkenness and disease, and, <laughs> and I got tickled only with this line that is, it's Little House on the Imaginary. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think what I'm saying, Rachel, is that, like, could you be, um, yeah, obviously, the, you know, the wife of a diplomat who is, who is, like, hosting that sort of thing, do you actually need to wear a prairie dress, mm. and do you need to bake Because if so, sourdough? the prairie dress is really awkward because in some circumstances. what it means is, if it turns out that if you were a wife in China... Mm in, you know, 1650, if it was possible to be a godly <laughs> wife then, and if it's possible to be a godly wife if you are the, you know, the duchess of something, and if it's possible to be a godly wife if you lived in a dugout in Nebraska, then what it means is it's something deeper than just the, the little trappings. Uh-huh. And the people who are seizing on sourdough are seizing on something that is granted. That is beautiful, wonderful, and fantastic. It's also mm. not the heart of the gospel. And it is what um, I think, and I say this all the time, but it's so clear that Paul was inspired by God and not not being Isn't that the a truth? typical human. Because when he says, and I think this is really interesting, he says, older women, teach the younger women. He does not say... And here's what you're going to teach them. Yeah, there's not a curriculum guide. He says, older women who are good at this, teach the younger women. And he doesn't get involved in the ins and the outs. And you know what? When people start speaking in their own power, they do often go there. Mm -hmm. You know? So I want to say something because I I feel like my knowledge of... uh, all of the, like, I'm not on TikTok. I have no desire to get myself onto TikTok. And I, totally agree. and I, uh, so my knowledge of these trad wife sorts of videos is like things that are maybe suggested to me or that I have seen in passing. It's not, I'm not really, I'm not following anyone that I think is doing this. And I'm not, no. so I, I'm not really. I've seen some really scary ones though. Yeah. bringing that all around here. I'm going to say that I I'm sympathetic 
with this that there are a lot of women who are trying to be godly wives and mothers who feel like their own mother let them down yeah. and that they don't know how to do things. They don't know how to make things beautiful. They don't whatever. So when they don't cook, they don't, you know, make cheese, they don't do anything yeah. of this nature. So when something some video catches their attention because they think something about it is beautiful. Yeah. Here's something beautiful that I know God can use that. Absolutely. That, and, and I'm not actually worried that somebody's going to see that kind of content, feel inspired to hand sew patches on the knees of their kids' clothes, and that there we go to hell in a handbasket. I mean, like, whatever, guys. There is a lot of inspiration out there, and it doesn't really matter from whence you gather it up. But the thing that we are, that I think we have every reason to be concerned about is that we actually care very much about the domestic revival, the culture building work. We care very much that women be doing this, but that these, that these culture building things are actually, so I don't want to be, I don't want to come back here to be like overly obvious, but we were talking about these these 90s Josh Harris things that happened at that time that since that time don't stand by what they were saying. They've been right. disillusioned, yep. disenchanted. They've become the ex-evangelicals. Their things are not good there. Right. And it, But what we were taught when we were growing up is what we still believe. Right. And so I'm, my point is there's actually continuity in this. And it's not because Becca or I have homes that look just like the home our mom made. Like things have right. grown and changed and shifted and our phases of life has shifted. Things are different. And, but it, I guess the thing I'm trying to say is we're not breaking with anything <laughs> no. that we've believed but, all this time. But, but right now there's a weird cultural momentum in a different direction and you than we've ever had before. If God uses that to bring some people out of the kind of feminist lie and into a fuller understanding of what, what could be at home, that is wonderful and praise the Lord for it if he uses it that way. But I also think it some of the stuff, the ones that I'm thinking of, and I think some of this big fluster that's going on might be because everyone people is are watching seeing different things. different things like yeah. I, there's this one very creepy woman that i've seen some of her stuff where she wears like a ball gown and has these oh, two yeah. very genderless looking children <laughs> and she does these absurd over the top I think that's i think that's one that i have seen but that i have never been able to tell if this is a joke to everyone right. but i don't actually think i think that one is a weird um <laughs> Like, it's the same thing in a different genre as, like, pretending to be a sure. furry or but something. Like, but, but, yeah, You it's could weird. see that and be like, that's the trad wife thing. Or maybe you're watching the Mormons and you're like, that's the trad wife thing. Or maybe you're just watching a nice Christian mom who's teaching you how to do something. And that's the trad wife thing. Some of this is just like, who knows yeah, what people are Yeah, an ill-defined but subject. imagine back when, remember when the lumber sexual was a thing? Uh-huh. Um, imagine if you got sort of captured by that aesthetic, the lumber sexual, and you thought, that's it. That's godly masculinity. And maybe you were so starved of any masculinity in your life that you really, this is the first time you've ever seen anything like that. 
And maybe God used that to bring you into a better understanding of what masculinity is. But no one can deny that that would have been weird. If you got, if you got, or maybe, maybe not captured, maybe you were converted because you saw something like that. You're like, yeah, well, God does do, and you were like, God does do deep men who are wearing flannel shirts and, and jeans and and boots and they had an ax, you know, and it went beard oil. And so maybe that was, uh, you know, but all I'm saying is I think what we feel like is that this is too important to fall for knockoffs yeah or for truncated versions of it and so like the um well you know what it is this might be stepping into a whole other controversy but why not um the chosen oh wow it's a new take on what we're talking about think about this i'm just going to assume for the sake of argument that the people listening here are on board with you know thinking that the chosen is is doing harm to the story that is the actual story of Christ and that the problem is is that that story is actually too important and when you oh, tell it yeah. with, if you tell it with the details wrong you're actually you're not on the team you're doing damage to it yeah and so sure. when we or potentially others um say hey look there's some stuff here that is in our camp and it's representing itself as if it's in favor of the domestic arts. But actually, this is going to disillusion okay. people really yes. quickly. And an example we're of that not, would be like if someone said a whole list of things that were really beautiful, wonderful things that they were doing. Yeah. And they're like, I do this and I love to make a home and I love to cook food for my people and make our house smell good and look good and yeah. be nice. And I do all of these things because men are superior to women. And I need to do whatever my husband likes. Well, whoa! Like, that's not a fly in the ointment. That's a rotting carcass of a possum (laughs) in the bottom of the flower barrel. It's like, that's so bad. Because if what is animating things that could be got if if animated from a place of gratitude joy hard work because you love your family if if instead of a right relationship with god motivating you to make dinners for your people if there's a weird subservience fetish or a my husband has never sinned fetish of some kind then the whole thing is rotten it's not just it's like everything could be great until you go at the end. But or, I think it, it's just so clear that we are so on board with wanting women to to take dominion of this area. Uh-huh. But we think that it's actually a big enough and important enough thing that if you fall... It's a lot bigger than a TikTok. If you fall for a truncated, <laughs> simplified, legalistic, or cheap version of it, you will not persevere in it you will right. become disillusioned well you're getting ripped off because because this is the and this is the thing that i want to tell single girls young women and i have told them sometimes is that you're messed up if you're thinking i might have even said on the podcast if you're thinking 
I want to prepare for marriage and I want to be ready to do this because <laughs> then at last I'll be in my cute Instagram yeah. reel where all I'm doing is having a sweetie time right. in the nice sunshine <laughs> without any problems in my life. Well, the what you need to be thinking is that God, in his wisdom, in his mercy, has given you a place to go lay your life down wow. where it will matter, yeah. where it will mean something, where it's like, yeah. here is the place. And it, and it should be kind of a like, of course, I was excited to get married and have children. And it's a happy thing. But it's also, here is where I go to die. Yeah. Here it is. And I can't even think how many times do you think in the scope of my 20 years of being married and having a bunch of babies has God drawn my attention to places I needed to die right like how many times is this like okay and and because God is is that just sounds incredibly trite because God is more productive and more fond of fruit than any of us Mm-hmm. He does the best gardening. He puts us where it will be productive. He puts us where obedience will matter. Right. And so it's not about putting you where you'll make more sourdough or putting you where you'll do whatever. Because I think, for instance, if your husband does not like sourdough, right. stop it. Yeah. If your husband actually doesn't care huh. for the puff sleeves. Yeah that you have slipped into as a new lifestyle. Have we asked him if this is the look he's going for or are we just doing it? Here's something else. I saw a not the bee article today that was really horrifying, but it was a, it was a girl whose mom was worried because she's been on TikTok and she had decided that she wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so this mother who's panicking about this writes into like slate I think I love thinking of slate. Help me, help and, me. And then the the advice was immediately get her into therapy, isolate her from her friends, read to her from feminist books at dinner. Like it was just so <laughs> absurd and crazy. But um, in it, one of the things that it pointed out, and this was from another article, but it was actually very astute. And this is another parallel with the nineties. Okay, is I'm ready. that a lot of that movement? was entirely led by women. Not a hundred percent of it, but a lot of it. So it was moms who decided we're going to make our own this and that, and we're going to pull our kids and we're going to homeschool. Right. It was not led by the father. He was just kind of going along with it. Right. And obviously not a hundred percent of the time, but I, we saw it over and over and over. Like it was just, that was definitely a feature. And one of the things in this article that was cracking me up is it was saying, actually, if you look at the trod wife accounts, one of the things that's noticeably absent is the husband when like he he comes in and smiles for the camera when she tells him to or holds the camera where she wants it or whatever but it's it's like if he's really the the you know patriarchal master of everything it doesn't come off that way like it comes off like she's doing her trad wife thing and he's like smiling every so often when she needs him to for the camera. And I do I actually think a lot of the time the husband doesn't actually fit into the aesthetic. Right. And that is one of the things that you have to that you have to think to yourself. Hmm. But see this is what I mean. Is like what if your husband is like conducts the symphony and his life is a very different one than a little like homesteady we're gonna have a goat. You know? It's just 
you have to be the wife to that guy and you have to be obedient as a wife in that setting and it that one might be more ball gowns you know it might and somebody who is a missionary in the philippines is probably going to have a very different set of things that she needs to do for her husband I think, or if I think he's a farmer things, or a homesteader then great you know like you'll right. probably fit right in with what you're I trying do to wanna, do i do want to say that we i um that it's not me our trad wife what we should be focusing on is being a virtuous wife. An obedient and, to God wife. Yes, and and being a virtuous wife does have some things in common that like you might notice that so one of the things that actually is neat uh, well as far as I can tell cuz with my limited view. But one of the things that is neat about the trad wife concept is the idea of doing an activity. Yeah. Like maybe not just sitting here, maybe trying to do something. Yeah. And if it's, you know, like maybe you should try to sew something. Maybe yeah. you should try to bake. Maybe you should paint something. Maybe yeah. you should, you know, whatever. That's, I'm like, that's great. It's just that it's like we need women to do these things from a steady faithful established yeah. rooted in God's word joy in what God's called them to do and and when you do it that way it it yields fruit but also i would just say that like i sourdough has become the weird like catchphrase for all of this big controversy i do want to say in sourdough's defense guys to any of you guys that are like i don't do sourdough you, you all know how passionate rachel is about her sourdough passionate passionate Absolutely. although i'm weirdly passionate about it it has more to do with my delight in feeding 10 people three meals a day than it is in like but still but i do a lot of sourdough but this is important and i just want to say this some of you who are like but we don't like sourdough why this pressure on sourdough it's actually just because for people who get into baking it it's very interesting and it bears continued attention like yeah. where you keep changing things and getting a different result and it's super simple but also very complicated so i'm saying it's actually more like you can just say i don't enjoy baking puzzles and there are people who are puzzle lovers yeah. and that's what sourdough has brought to but our like, attention. imagine one of the things that i love doing and i would say i could get onto a thing about it too <laughs> is that um like i love designing fabric or wallpaper and using it in my house. I love trying to figure out how we're going to do this space and then I'm going to try and come up with a design and I'm going to do, and I could get really bossy about that and start yeah. saying, and you know what, this is what obedience looks like in a home, everyone. You, if you're not making your own wallpaper, what are you even doing, you feminist? <laughs> it's just sort of like, what a weird, terrible thing. That I, and I have to bring this up because both of us would like love, like, I feel like I'm about to reference someone that I actually don't know very much about. So don't, but she took the world by storm a while ago. Is her name Brenda Gann? Who's the biscuit, the southern? She's like showing you how to make dumplings or biscuits. Oh, or maybe she's so an older cute. woman. She's just adorable. So she's cute. like an older southern widow who's like, let me show yeah, you how to yeah, do this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So 
10,000 times over. Give, I'm pretty sure she is a believer. I'm like, 10,000 times over, give me some kind of a flannel-backed vinyl tablecloth with Brenda Gann, wherever yes. she is in the joy of the Lord, yes. than someone doing something way more aesthetic. Artsy. Yeah, like, like there's, and the thing that's funny is that the reason what she was doing was so attractive had nothing to do with the aesthetics of the sure. situation sure. and everything to do with the aesthetics of a woman who loves the Lord and has a sure. joy. Like who's, sure. who's really, a, and I, um, I bring that up only because I think that it's, it's not untrue that the aesthetics say a thing. It's just that they don't say the whole thing. They're, and they're yeah. much easier to fake than much other things. To fake. But I just mean also, like, there are so many ways of being an obedient wife who's owning the space. And if I seized on the thing that I'm doing in my oh, yeah, situation I'd have to be, I'd have husband, to always be like, well, Becca, I don't know how, Becca. I, I know, but if you decided... <laughs> don't say I had to do this. Yeah. If you decided that you were going to park your van on the like you must can beans and meat or else you're a feminist if I started saying you have to design your own fabric for your curtains or else you're a feminist you have to make your own sourdough or else you're a feminist it's a these real are, bad world out there these that's are how the it is. things it's like make sourdough to the glory of God if that is what he's called you to in your own particular circumstance right. and also yes our culture needs women to recover a sense of the importance of the home. And that's completely true. But if we seize on particulars instead of on the actual heart of it, then I think it's incredibly dangerous because it is a weed that's growing right next to the plant that we actually want to grow and it will choke it out and it will burn people off of the real thing. Right. And what I used to laugh about my kids. I was like, man, do you think that the kids are all going to be like, remember when mom was in her basket weaving phase? <laughs> like, like there's an awareness that you're having phases. Yeah. Okay. That you're, you did a phase where I was knitting all the time and now I'm in a phase of quilting and I did a phase and there, and you know, your kids will notice it and see it. Well, don't have it be you want it to be things that slowly grow with you and that maybe you're not doing it all, all the time. You've just been doing things that were a blessing to people, but you don't want the phase that you were in to be like a weird nightmarish time where nothing was consistent or the, like, where you weren't who you are still yeah. in some phase where you took on a lot of stuff that was, um, I just think ba, ba, if we were, ba, 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 we're kind ba, ba, of out of time, but I just, if I could circle back to the beginning, I think what I would say is we can see the fruit now of some of that stuff in the 90s where it was like, it was, it was shallow and it was a veneer back then. And somebody who was in favor of the reality back then, which I think dad was and we were being raised to be, is to be a fan of the real thing. Don't fall for a cheap copy. 
and, and that is the exact thing that I think I'm seeing right now. And we can look back at the 90s and see how that cheap copy did not hold up over time. Right. And I think it's just like beware of a cheap copy. And that if you're yeah. if you're opposed to a cheap copy, that doesn't mean you're opposed to the real thing. So. Well, there we go. That's I. One thing I'd like to point out is that Becca and I have hardly any opinions on this not subject. Basically, and not. so we could turn this into a whole seven-month program where this is all we talk about every time. Because I actually do love domestic things. Oh, I but, know. But I have to tell you, I don't. Did you see beans on my counter in my yeah, house? Is that why you said canned beans? Well, I no. just, also, I've heard you wax eloquent about canning canny beans. beans. I've been canning beans the last couple of days because it's like back to that feeding 10 people every three times a day. It's yeah. one of the things yeah. that cuts down on your, you know, it's good. But what I'm trying to say is I don't, there's a lot of things that if you share, people are very sensitive. So Oh, we're getting into too much time. I'm going to say it anyways. People are very sensitive in every direction. And it's really foolish when someone says, look at my garden, to respond like, you're making me feel guilty. Or it's like, how do you feel? What about the crippled who can't? Back problems and this bend over. What about that? And the, the other question is, what about people who don't have the problems and who should have considered planting lettuce? What about them? And what do you have to say about those of us who are gluten intolerant? Hmm? Hmm? And it's like, well, you better pursue something other than making bread. Oh, that's all I can say is, you know, whatever. The sensitivity go is ridiculous Every that way. Direction. It is ridiculous. But I also would say that I try to be very limited in what I share that I'm actually doing yeah. Yeah. because I do know that I can be real extra about right. stuff that I have right. decided is yeah. the thing that I'm passionate right. about right now. And I don't ever want to be like, I'm having an absolute blast doing this right now. Right. So I'm definitely going to put it out there in a way that would make people think I'm saying, this is what I mean right. by love right. your family. Yeah. Follow this exact. Ooh, I think we all should be encouraging each other as women <laughs> to go further up and further in. Get better. Try more things. Be ready to experiment. Be ready to try new stuff. Try and recover lost skills. All of those things. It really was going with you. I thought thought you were going to say try and recover a chair. I was like, (laughs) she's talking about reupholstering. Reupholstering. I'm all in favor of that. But just be so wary of the kind of people who sell you a package. Like, here's the pre-perforated edges for you to be a godly wife. All you have to do is wear a dress and make sourdough. End of story. There was a there is a organizing book that I got that then when I looked up the person on Instagram, I was just snorting. It's like the most unrealistic life upon the Instagram. But one of the things that I just feel like is a summary right there is like the beautiful linen towel with a French milled bar of soap on it with the band, the beautiful label still on it. Well, is that beautiful? Yes, it is. Is this a wonderful thing to put in your guest bed? You know, sure. Of course. But it's over after one hand wash. Like one use and it's gone and it's pointless. And I, not pointless, but I mean, this aesthetic is not the aesthetic of a. Works if you have maids. And. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. 
then that would be more convenient. So actually, maybe we've solved a lot of my domestic problems. If I just had live and help, it would yeah. be better. But all right. Anyways, but. the thing that I was trying to say is though. We do consciously try to walk the line of being encouraging, yeah. like you should be interested in. We like yeah. to talk about domestic yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. We're not shy talking about it. But we do really try to be very cautious yep. about not being in any way compelling about specific things. But the general, you ought to be turning your mind, your strength, your heart towards your home, towards your husband, yep. towards your children, yep. and do everything you can do to glorify God and bless them. And that that is actually just a weirdly tricky line to walk in this world where our hearts always want to go zinging off on the to-do list. And I would just say, ah, oh, look at how long we're going. But I have one more last thing to say about about this should we police our own ranks like should we be pointing out the problems that lie right here if in, not in, now when yeah if like, not us who we should be launching all of our attacks on the feminists and there's a time for that like there's a time for us to do that but i was thinking about this that jesus in his whole ministry i mean you can tell me if i'm missing something I think the only time that I remember him specifically calling out a Roman was when he said he has more faith than the rest of Israel. say the centurion that... Um, because could Jesus have spent his whole entire ministry on the sins of the Romans? Of course he could. Like, the sins of the Romans were far greater in many ways than the sins of the... The Pharisees, but it's also noticeable. The Pharisees were actually, for the first time in Israel's history, we see them actually caring to follow God's law. It's like, when you you look at the whole Old Testament, we're like putting up high places all the time. The Pharisees are actually like in the temple being legalists. I actually just... But that doesn't stop Jesus from pointing out the problems. Really offhand, I need to say this. We just were reading Ezra and I was like, man, that whole thing about intermarriage with all the pagans and everything. I was like, that's actually, it's a real heartbreaking section. But it struck me as probably the closest parallel we have to where we actually are right now with people. Yeah. I don't know. That's very off topic, but yeah. it was, you were reminding me of this. Yeah. I, but you know what I mean about like, why did Jesus point out the flaws of the Pharisees when he could just as easily have been pointing out the flaws of the Romans? So, well, the one, yeah, the but, one person, who, well, yeah, it, Jesus is complicated because clearly he did everything perfectly. I was going to say, though, that Herod is the one that he clearly did not like. And it said, he called him sure. that fox. And he, after he, and, but he, even there, he stays silent before yeah, him instead of. The ones of, that he goes after are the ones who are doing a bad job inside yeah, the camp. Yeah. And, and I think that when you are willing to recognize that maybe people in our camp aren't nailing it. That's not something where we should rally about and say, no, our camp is capable of no problems. Well, our camp is the one problems that are ours. (laughs) I know. Everybody else's problems are infinitely easier to handle. We could just keep going for two Uh, We'll just roll into next week's podcast right this minute. Breathless from a previous episode. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, guys. Until next time. Goodbye.